Well, here we are, the end. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 to 13, and this is part 15 in our series in the book of Daniel. So this morning we arrive at the the final part of the fourth and last vision in in the book of Daniel and also the last message in our series in this marvellous book. So therefore the title, the end. But it's more than just the end for our series. We're going to be talking about the end of the end throughout this morning. And you know... uh, Maybe you feel this, but every, there's, a, there's a spiritual battle goes on, that goes on. And even as, as, you start to, as I started to prepare for the series in Daniel, you know, should I, shouldn't I? It's a bit hard. It's, it's what am I going to get out of it? What are the people going to be there? Are they going to be with me? And you probably feel this spiritual battle as, as you've been following this series as well. And the spiritual battle is there every day. Especially on Sunday mornings when you decide, am I going to go to church or not? Am I going to just stay home and watch online? What's it going to be talking about? Why are we going to church? What what does it all mean? Does it make a difference? What difference does it make? You know what I'm talking about, right? But here you are. And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, because at least part of the battle you've won. But then we walk away from here and we re-engage with the battle. We re-engage with everything that the book of Daniel has presented to us. There's this battle, it's here and in the heavenly realms. We've looked at that. We've been challenged by it. And I hope that this series has built up your faith and, and, and trust in our Lord and Saviour who is with us. We're not alone. I have I certainly been blessed preparing it for you. I've been challenged more than, more than one way. And we are reminded by the Apostle Paul for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. That's it. We might have hope. Romans chapter 15 verse 4. And Daniel chapter 12 is certainly all of those things and more. It brings together all of the themes that we have covered to a dramatic conclusion. It describes a time of great anguish for God's people, but also a time that will result in resurrection glory. With each vision that we saw, uh, that we discussed, we saw history unfold and recognise that nothing is outside of God's sovereignty. With each vision, Daniel helps us see something more, more about the spiritual forces that are actively at work behind the scenes and more about how God looks after his own. 
Yet despite all of that has been revealed to him, Daniel is still asking for answers, still wants to know more. So he asks the questions that we want to ask. He's our spokesman. And he struggles. Sometimes he, he's so tired he goes to sleep for a week because he can't understand. I think I know what that feels like. But through it all, there are some matters in the wisdom of God that even Daniel will remain in the dark about. And through Daniel, we understand some of the things that we are also going to be in the dark about until the final days. So, first of all, strap yourselves in. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to go take you through a ride. One of the great chapters in the scriptures, Daniel chapter 12. First of all, death is not the end, verses 1 to 4. Let's read it again, verses 1 to 4. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until the end. That's going to be pretty serious, right? But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting content. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here, there and, and there to increase knowledge. Now in the book of Jude, Michael is described as an archangel. He has an important role to play in the scriptures as a warrior angel. He's powerful. We looked last um, in, the, in the chapters how Michael helped in the in the fight as well, because, because of the, uh, uh, the, the urgency to come to Daniel to answer the, the prayers. Here he is called to protect God's people who will undergo a time of great distress. And what is the, great, the, the time of great distress? It is a time when the, the Antichrist will appear sometime after Daniel, after Rome and in our time or after us. Yes, there are many antichrists who will arise since then and Antiochus Epiphanes was probably the, the type and, but there will be others and there will be a, a big antichrist who's still coming. In the meantime, this dreadful figure will usher a period of terror, unparalleled wickedness and will do the worst, targeting God's people. We are called to be strong, to remain totally dependent upon God 
who we know we must be assured of hasn't forgotten us but knows and deeply cares for his own. And who are his own? They are the ones whose names are written in the book of life. There's a great story in, in, in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus sends out 72 of his disciples. He sends them out in twos, in pairs. And after they've been out, they come back to report, and they're happy, they're rejoicing, they've had a great time. They're rejoicing because mighty things they were able to do, even casting out demons. And all of these things they're able to do because Jesus sent them and they're doing all these things in Jesus' name. And Jesus replies, Do not rejoice that that the spirits, the evil spirits, submit to you, but rejoice for what? That your names are written in the book of heaven. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. It, it tells me that apart from everything we might accomplish here on earth, whatever good we have done in the kingdom, large or small, secret or public, whatever we have done, however much we have served, nothing, nothing compares, everything pales in the fact to this truth that our names are written in the book of life nothing nothing this is the ultimate joy whatever little joys we have here nothing will will come close to that that your names are written in heaven And that's sobering, isn't it? That it has to, through the times of trouble that we go through, deep distress even at times, that is that blessed assurance that we can indeed sing, it is well with my soul. That it is well. Why is it well? Because... I know where I'm going. The second verse, verse 2, confronts us with this powerful reality. You see, for all of the distinctions that we have in our world, like people classify themselves between the rich and the poor, the colour of their skin, their ethnicity what family they come from, whether they live in the North Shore, the, the, you know, the South Shore, the East, the West, the education, they've got PhDs or just, you know, a common education. We, we classify each other like this. There's one real distinction that matters to God. It's a very simple one whether you are saved or unsaved. In the end, that's all that matters. One day, you see, our flesh will be raised by the power of Christ, will be reunited with our soul and made like Jesus' glorified body. 
And you are saying, hang on, pedal back a bit. I thought when we die, we're already with Jesus. Yes, our souls go to be with the Lord, but our physical bodies will be buried, cremated or eaten by a shark. That will return to dust. The time between our death and Jesus' return when our souls, at that time, when our souls will be reunited with our bodies, is traditionally known in theological terms as the intermediate state. Where did we get this from? Paul reminds us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. It's not just here, it's repeated in other passages and we certainly from, from Daniel that, that is what we, what we see. But it's not going to be good news for everybody. The dreadful truth is that those who have rejected Jesus and have lived for this world alone will also experience a resurrection. No, it will not be a resurrection for everlasting life but a resurrection to everlasting shame and contempt. It is what the book of Revelation calls the second death, which refers to hell. Now, you're probably scratching your head. It is a difficult doctrine for many, including Christians, to accept. Not because it is unclear in the Bible. It's not because we don't understand it. It's because of the implication, because it's hard to, to, to accept. But it's here. So irrespective of what you believe, man only has two choices. Eternal heaven, eternal hell. The logical implication is that the dead are still alive even after death, because death is not the end. This is why I said it, death is not the end. Despite our wish, there is no place in the Bible for being, at the moment you die, there's no place in the Bible for someone to be extinguished or annihilated or simply just just cease to exist. There's, there's no room in the Bible for that. But this is what some of the cults teach, like the Christadelphians and, and others, that the moment you and somebody who doesn't believe in God dies, they just simply just get zapped. The problems for the unbeliever, therefore, don't end in death, because death does not eliminate existence. It's simply a transfer to a different spiritual state awaiting final judgment. Is that sobering or or not? That's what the Bible teaches. 
So don't believe Bon Jovi when he sang, it's my life, it's now or never, I ain't going to live forever. Oh yes you are, because God put eternity in our hearts. So the question has to be asked, where will you spend eternity? Well, ACDC I think had a little bit, was a little bit more accurate when they said, I'm on a highway to hell. They knew where they were going. At least they were honest about it. And they're singing about it. And everybody are clapping and happy and what a great song that is. It's an anthem almost, right? Where will you spend eternity? What kingdom do you belong to? Because one day you will be either raised to everlasting life or raised to everlasting shame. There's only two choices. It doesn't depend on whether you have been good or bad, naughty or sad, but whether you place your trust in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. That you save. That's, that's, what, that's what makes a difference. For this reason, therefore, the salvation that we have received, if you are convicted and you know that your name is in the book of life, for this reason the salvation we have received must never be a private matter. But it is to be shared abroad so that others may also be saved. Because you see, the world has, you know, stars and the Matildas are soccer stars and we've seen the World Cup and all of this and then in Hollywood you have the, the walk of fame or the, the walk of stars on the Hollywood Boulevard. We are here reminded in this verse that God also has his stars in many places, verse 3. These stars that shine in a dark world. Well, who are God's stars? No, not the silly ones the world applauds and and, and rewards and gives them an Oscar. God's stars, tells us here in Daniel, are the wise ones who who lead many to, to righteousness. Who lead, who tell others, who point others towards Jesus, towards God. That sometimes these people that go out, our, our missionaries, our others, do so at great personal cost and sacrifice. Because they believe this. They believe that if somebody does not believe in Jesus, they're going to hell. Eternal punishment. So therefore they have to go. They need to go. God puts it in their soul to go and share the gospel. But they know that whatever cost they will personally pay will never be more than what their Saviour paid for them. Then in verse 4 we have another interesting statement. The renowned uh, Christian physicist Sir Isaac Newton um, in 1680, you know, about 400, 350 years ago, he wrote this, he wrote about this very verse. 
the, the verse is, I'll read it again, but you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. And this is what Isaac Newton said. Isaac Newton, by the way, is one of the fathers of, of modern, modern physics. He didn't know. And he said, personally, and I quote, personally I cannot help but believe that these refer to the end of the times. Men will travel from country to country in an unprecedented manner. Look at the, the foresight, right? There may be some inventions which will enable people to travel much more quickly than we do now. And Newton went on to say that people might travel in those inventions in speeds that exceed 40 miles per hour. (laughs) But then 80 years later, 80 years later, there's a bit of a twist on that because the French atheist philosopher Voltaire, quite famous, said to to a friend of his, and this is, I quote again, Voltaire, right? He says, it took 12 ignorant fishermen to establish Christianity. I will show the world how one Frenchman can destroy it. And upon reading what Newton wrote, Voltaire said, and I quote, see what a fool Christianity made of an otherwise brilliant man. A scientist like Newton actually writes that man can travel at a rate of 40 miles per hour. Has he forgotten that if man would travel at this rate, he would be suffocated? His heart would stand still. End of quote. No need to wonder who was proven the fool. See how today knowledge has increased. We travel to and fro. Man continues to search, continues in its futility to search for truth, but they leave God behind. Not all scientists, but most of them. They search for knowledge, but not the knowledge of God. They they tell us, actually, that technical information keeps doubling every two years. It means that if you're doing a a four-year degree, by the time you finish your degree, you're already out of date. Some of you who go to uni might know what that's about. And yet, somehow, we now find ourselves unable to define what a woman is. Paul was right. Our thinking has indeed become not only futile, but but also increasingly nonsensical and just downright stupid. So, death is not the end, and now the next section, verses 5 to verse 8a, near the end. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood... Two others, 
one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothing linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? And the man clothing linen who was above the waters of the river, sort of floating above him, levitation, just imagine it, lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times and half a time. And the power of the holy people has been finally broken. All these things will be completed. And I heard, but I did not understand, Daniel says. A parent who where the mum or dad is driving long distance on holidays and you've got in the back seat, you've got a you know, car full of kids. Eventually, along sometime, somewhere along that trip, the question will, will arise, are we there yet? Or how long till we get there? This time it is not Daniel asking the question, but the question is raised between the two celestial Beings on either side of the river. How long shall it be till the, till the end of, of these wonders? Typically in the Old Testament, taking an oath only requires one hand to be raised. So raising of two hands is, is very significant. It's like the angel has to be doubly sure of his answer because he's not just speaking for himself, he's speaking also for God. And the answer given by the angel is it will be for a time, times and half a time. This phrase has appeared already in chapter 7 and there we calculated that it meant three and a half years. Here, even though the, the, the expression is the same, I don't see it as a reference to a particular span of time, but instead to a period of time that spans between Christ's first coming and his second coming. So I'm not interpreting these words literalistically, you know, counting the days, but more literally referring to a period of time, a span of years between, however many years between Christ's first coming and his second. And this is in fact our Revelation chapter 12, which interestingly enough is, is very much, Revelation 12 is a parallel of Daniel 12. There the church, in Revelation 12, the church is pictured as both being pursued on earth by Satan, but also nourished and protected by God for a time, time and half a time. In context, it's a clear reference to the period between Christ's first coming and second coming. And there have been periods throughout the history of the church in the last 2,000 years and God's people before then, 
when people thought that this is going to be the end. Think of what happened during the Romans when they persecuted, during the persecutions of Nero and Diocletian and, and during the, the times of, the, of, the, of the, in Korea when the church, churches were burned down with people inside. And then the Boxer Revolution in China and what is happening today. And, and people are questioning this. If you were there, you would say, is this the end? When's it going to happen? And they probably hoped and believed that the church will be rescued before the tribulation. And when it didn't happen, they were probably disappointed and said, well, I thought, you know, I thought we weren't going to go through the tribulation. I thought that we were going to be raptured before all that stuff happened. And there are many believers today who think, oh, no, don't worry about it. You won't go through a thing, okay, because the church is going to be raptured. That's very comfortable, isn't it? How did it work for the many believers before? How is it working for many believers in in China, northern India, in Africa? How is it working for them now? Yes, it is definitely pointing towards the end and it's... There, there's, a, there's a heightened longing for, for the end because of all this suffering that they have to go through. When's it going to happen? We don't know, but it is near. When the disciples asked Jesus about the end times, he gave them a long, detailed answer. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 24. And in verse 36, he said to them, But about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels, nor the Son, but only the Father. But we are given some clues, right? It tells us here that when the power of the holy people is broken, There have been, like I said before, there have been periods when the church considered itself powerful. And and many today believe that things will, some people believe that things will continue to improve for Christians and for the church. That we're going to see this this glorious period of, of conquering the world where we're going to be rising up. Yes, there was a period of about a thousand years when there was the Holy Roman Empire, right? thousand years. But if you look at it another way, it was a dark period, the Middle Ages. I, and today I actually see the opposite of this you know, positive approach to the future for Christians. I, I see the opposite as I read my Bible. We are actually approaching the days where we will have no voice, no influence, no power, no hope. But utter hopelessness. Well, Paul, that's a bit negative. Well, what makes us so special compared to our brothers and sisters who are undergoing that very thing today in many parts of the world? 
Maybe there will come a time when the true church will not be able to meet in buildings, but meet secretly in the homes. Many brothers and sisters have to undergo that right now. They all know all about this, they can tell you. We've had people here from Voice of the Martyrs, right? They told you about it. It's not fictional, it's happening. So, as terrible and as depressing maybe that these events, you know, appear to be and have been in the history of the church, they are not the end, they are precursors to what the end will be like. And, and, and it's that point where it says, says it, another version has, well, the power of the people of God will be shattered. The church will be powerless in and of themselves. They, they would say, oh Lord, please come. The, the very suffering brings the longing for the glory. And it is at the bleakest point when the Son of Man will appear. Jesus knew about these days. You've got to read Matthew 24. That's your homework. And, and, and prepared us, prepare his people for his return. And, and in Matthew 24, 21 to 22, this is what we read. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive but for the sake of the elect those whose names are written in the book of life, those days will be shortened. Why were those days shortened? The suffering, because of God's people. Those God's own who are loved by him. And in verse 33 he said, even so when you see all these things you know that it is near. What it is near? What's near? The end. It is near, right at the door. Now, I consider it, again, a great encouragement to us when Daniel honestly says, I heard, but I did not understand. Isn't he honest? And and, and I think we can certainly relate to that this morning. And, and you're probably thinking, well, Pastor, I, I, I thought you had all the answers. Well, forgive me if I ever gave that impression, but it is very wrong. Like Daniel, I don't understand many things, and you won't either. Especially passages relating to prophecy in the last days. But also let's remember that we will not be held accountable in the day of judgment. We will not be held accountable for the things we didn't know or understand. But we will be responsible for the things we do know and understand and didn't do anything about it. That is more sobering. So then the second part of verse 8 to verse 13, the end of the chapter, the end of the end. So I asked, my Lord, what will be the outcome 
of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the end, until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. And none of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So Daniel hasn't given up yet. He asks another question and the angel tells Daniel to be on his way. No, it's not go away, stop annoying me. The phrase is actually to be on your way is repeated later. Daniel was previously instructed early in the chapter to roll up and seal the scroll. No, not to make it secret, but in order to preserve God's revelation for people down the ages, which includes you and me. Also, the words are shut up and sealed until nothing can be, and, and nothing can be added or subtracted. There's a very strong copyright on it. And in Revelations we know that no one will be found worthy to break open the seals and enact these last days. No one except Jesus, the lamb that was slain. Well, what is our calling? It's Our calling is not difficult to understand. It's very simple to get on with living a life of faithfulness. Don't worry about counting the days, about when. After all, that's not for you to know. Wait for the promises of God to be fulfilled and for, the, and for God to make all things right. Scottish pastor Sinclair Ferguson put it this way. He said, the biblical response to the promises of God's coming kingdom is always live for what the kingdom for the kingdom now. Recognize his reign now. Be obedient now. Fulfill your present responsibilities now. And I know some of you this morning are chomping at the bit about what Paul's going to say about 1,200 days and 1,335 days. What do they mean? Well, it's about half of seven years. But that's it. I'm going to leave you disappointed here. It is a difficult verse. And a lot of people don't agree with, you know, with each other on the interpretation of it. And according to where you start, where you finish, it's, you know, has to do with the, the tribulation at the end of the end. There are varying answers given to, according to your scatological bias. 
whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, amillennial, post-millennial, pre-millennial, dispensational millennial, whole millennial. I don't know. Um, for, for me, the number of days symbolically represent a terrible period for God's people rather than a literal, literalistic number of days. But there are other pastors that I respect that have a much tighter understanding of it and, and you can listen to them and, and view them. Um, that's fine, it's your prerogative, but this is my understanding when I read the scriptures. So why is there so much evil about? Why is it continuing? Because God has allowed it for a season. And he will use the process, he will use even trials and tribulations and suffering as a process to refine us. Refine his own. The wicked will continue their wicked ways until the very end. And no change of legislation No enactment of the law is going to end wickedness. It will continue. It will increase. They will find new ways. They create new ways to do evil. But the righteous will pursue righteousness till the end of the end. And all the faithful people of God like Daniel, the elect, we will receive our inheritance just as he has promised. And and the Lord's final word to Daniel in in verse 13 is actually, it's a a sermon, you can preach a four-point sermon right here. Right there. Firstly, go your way. Lord, the angel tells Daniel, go your way. You've been, what does that mean? You've been faithful. Stay the course. Stay strong. You'll be all right. Be faithful till the end, until God calls you home. Be on your way, the way that I've marked you. Continue. Keep going. The second point, you will rest. No, it's not referring to retirement village, but to heaven. And and rest is also another way so you're going to die. Yes, guys, it's a reality. We are going to die if Jesus doesn't come before then. Your body will be on the earth. Your soul will go to heaven. But your body will wait till the day of the resurrection. Daniel, hang on a little longer and your day of rest will come. Thirdly, you will rise. The promise of this bodily resurrection that I just mentioned, that we looked at, you will rise. And fourthly, you will receive your allotted inheritance. What a day that would be. There will be no reading of the will. Gordon Shaw used to say, where there's a will, there's a relative. (laughs) And yet the will of God is the one that prevails. 
the promise of God for our Lord and inheritance to be there to be unpacked. We're home. That's the day that we await. And, and you know, <clears throat> in the in the last days and hours that my my father was alive, in his suffering, I was there. I wasn't there when he gave his final breath, but I was there in the, in the final hours. And you, and you guys know what that's like to be there with the death of a loved one. And you're praying, Lord, take him home because I'm going to see him one day much better than this. In a new body, in a new heaven, in a new earth. That's the hope. That's the hope for all of us. What else are we going to live for? For God's kingdom. So like Daniel, we still don't know the answer to the important question, how long? Um, the answer will continue to evade us. You know, we're still in the back of the car saying to Daddy, how long, Daddy? But for all that we do know and all that we don't know, we know this, that in Christ we are guarded, we are known, we are preserved for an eternity, for a home that is preparing for us. And we will see him face to face, the one who has loved us from the creation, from before the creation of the world. He has redeemed us, adopted us, and one day will bring us into everlasting glory. Amen.